morning. I am I'm really glad to be with you all in front of you all today. Today marks a special day because we are starting a new sermon series. Uh, I don't know if you all see that as special, but I do. <laughs> Our sermon series, and we'll be there this Sunday and for the next, the following four Sundays. We're going to be looking at what it means for us to sort of live in the gaps what it means for us to be the people of God who follow Jesus in the gaps. What are the gaps? The gaps are those spaces in between God's promise and us walking into that promise. It's the distance between God's good intention for all of creation and the reality that we are living in in our world. And so in the following weeks, we're going to look at the various aspects of what life in the gaps looks like. But this morning, we're going to spend some time talking about why it is so challenging for us to occupy that space. And it's important that we start here because here's the thing. We occupy that space, (laughs) And we will occupy that space until Christ returns again. We are a people of the gap. And we know this. We think we know this. (laughs) We look around, we see the world, and we recognize that that we're somewhere in between the cross and Christ's return. But how do we live faithfully? How do we follow Jesus? Because, see, the thing about being disciples, being people of the gap. It means that we at least assume that within this space, God is here. My sermon this morning is entitled Discipleship in the Gaps. And discipleship is defined as following Jesus. That's what you and I are becoming every day. We are learning more and more, hopefully, how to follow Jesus, how to be the disciples of the risen Lord. And so if we are a people of the gap, it means we have to first and foremost believe if we are following Jesus, that Jesus is leading us somewhere, that Jesus is present with us, that Emmanuel occupies the space in between the promise and us fully receiving the promise. But I suggest to you this morning, That as much as you and I today, those of us who have called on the name of the Lord, would give mental assent to this as fact. I suspect that many of us don't actually believe that. And I suspect it because we don't live like we believe it. Most of us, much of the time, live like we believe one of two things. Either that God is absent... And so the best we can do is throw up our hands, hold tight, and wait till Christ returns. Or (laughs) we live like we are already experiencing an abundance. And so what we can do is close our eyes and shut our ears so that we don't have to hear anything that would snatch us out of that delusion. Both of these postures are a product of lies. Lies about who God is and lies about where we are. You and I are a people of the gap. 
In fact, since the fall, the best way to describe those of us who have called on the name of the Lord, either before the cross or after, is a people of the gap. And the truth that I hope you will walk away from this morning convinced of is that God is and has always been present in the spaces between us and God's perfect intention for us. And God uses and has always used those spaces in between to bless us and to form us. Our passages are Malachi chapter 4 and Hebrews chapter 10 verses 35 to 39. Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament and the book of Hebrews is way towards the back of the Bible, just past First and Second Timothy in the book of Philemon and then before James and First and Second Peter. So I'll give you a moment to get there in your Bible or on your phone. (laughs) And then when you do, I invite you to stand as you are able, either in body or in spirit, for the reading of God's word. Beginning with the book of Malachi chapter 4. It reads, Surely the day is coming. It will burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and evildoers will be stubble. And the day that is coming will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. Not a root or branch will be left to them. But for you who revere my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its rays. And you will go out and frolic like well-fed calves. Then you will trample on the wicked. They will be ashes under the sole of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord Almighty. Remember the law of my servant Moses the decrees and laws I gave him at Horeb for all Israel. See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents, or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. And now going to Hebrews chapter 10 and beginning with verse 35, it reads, So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. And, but my righteous one will live by faith. And I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. This is the word of God. Amen. You can have a seat. Or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. These are the last recorded prophetic words of the Old Testament. (laughs) If you are reading through your Bible, your Christian Bible, when you get to those words there, if it's like mine, there's like a blank page. (laughs) And then we pick up in Matthew. There were 400 years, about 400 years between these last words and the birth of Jesus Christ. On top of that, the people to whom these words were directed were only a few years past having been in exile in Babylon for 70 years. This was a people who had seen some things. 
They had experienced some things. And because of this, the two dominant postures of this community towards God and the things of God were apathetic at best, antagonistic at worst. Speaking of the form of this book, one scholar notes that it quite literally is a diatribe between God and the people of God. They were disillusioned and disgruntled. Generations of believing themselves to be God's chosen people, but experiencing war and famine and exile and and war and famine and exile had left them quite frankly dejected and done. And this comes across really clearly uh, in the very first words that God speaks in this verse and in this chapter, um, or excuse me, this book. And I encourage you to read the whole book um, at your convenience. But in verse two of chapter one, it opens, I have loved you, says the Lord, but you asked, how have you loved us? They were dejected and done. And we see this in the book. We see a people who are going through the motions of worship. This is a people who honor the Lord with their lips, but with their hearts are very far from him. They brought sacrifices to the altar, but the sacrifices, the animals were lame or blind or diseased. Their apathy towards God was plain to see. Well, to be more specific, their apathy towards God is plain to see for those of us who have the benefit of hindsight. In fact, in reading uh, their responses to God in Malachi, it seems that they were pretty oblivious to the condition, the state of their own hearts towards God. Over and over again, and the way that God interacts with them is through questions. Again, I love you. How have you loved us? You dishonor me. How have we dishonored you? Like they are going through the motions and they don't know anymore that they are going through the motions. The motions have become what worship looks like to them. The motions have become what they expect of life in this season. They are dejected and they are done. And here is the problem. See, this is a people who in the midst of all that they were seeing, in the midst of the gap, had forgotten that the God they served was in fact faithful. faithful. They were not tasting. They were not seeing. And they had believed what they saw over the truth of what God was saying and who God was. And so the gap became a place of desolation. A place of God's absence. A place where, well, this is the best we can hope for. But the truth of the gap is that it is in those spaces in between where we experience God's transformative power in our lives. It's in those spaces in between where we start to long for the promises of God. If we do not become hardened in heart. 
It was in the 430 years between the death of Abraham and the deliverance of the people through Moses that the ugliness of their hearts, the ugliness of bondage, the ugliness of the sin that we wage against each other was seen and felt. And they became desperate for deliverance and a savior. It was in the 430-year gap between the, this death that these people started to long for deliverance. It was in the 40-year gap as they wandered in the desert that they became a people, that they started to uproot the ugliness that had formed them and fashioned them in Egypt and became the people of God. And the 400-year gap between the promise that Elijah would return to the coming of John the Baptist, who Jesus referenced as Elijah, preparing the way of the Lord. And it's in the thousand-year gap (laughs) between that resurrection on the cross and that walking around and inhabiting with the people of God and then ascending into heaven. It's in that thousand-year gap between that and where you and I are today that you and I wrestle and struggle, and work, and serve, and live out our faith. But it's easier for us to see how dejected and done the people of Israel were in Malachi than it is for us to see and be honest about the fact that we too are people who are often dejected and done. You and I are living in the gap. This is where the people of God live. And yet often in these spaces in between, what you and I do is we start living like all we can do is just hope for God to return. This is as good as it's going to get. Or all we can do is create for ourselves a peace that passes no understanding. An abundance that was created by our bank accounts and our retirement plans. A peace that looks like gated communities and good school districts, safe neighborhoods. And we comfort ourselves with this. And we convince ourselves that this is actually God's promise. Both of those are lies. And we believe them because fundamentally we believe that in the gap, God is absent. And that we have been left to our own devices. And we have to create for ourselves our own gods. And we have to create for ourselves our own forms of worship. And we have to create for ourselves some sort of feeling, drum up some sort of emotion because there is no spirit enlivening us. And we would never say that with our mouths, but we tell that with our lives. We are a people of the gap. We have always been. And before you beat yourself up, you are in good company. Because not only did the children of Israel live like this, but this is why the author of Hebrews has to tell the folk, look, don't throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. No, we have not yet arrived at the time where we are trampling on the dust of the unrighteous. But we are not alone. And we are not forsaken If we persevere, we will indeed receive what God has promised. And as we persevere, we are receiving what God has promised because one of the things God has promised is to transform our hearts that we would look like Jesus. One of the things that God has promised is to allow us to be a people who taste and see how good God is. 
one of the things that God has promised is to be with us always, even to the ends of the earth. And it is in the gaps where you and I want those promises. It's in the spaces in between that you and I recognize I do not look like Jesus and I want to. I need to. I'm desperate for it. It's in the spaces in between that you and I realize that, you know what? I am tasting something, but I have not yet seen the goodness of God in the land of the living. And that was promised and I'm desperate for it. It's in the spaces in between that you and I learn how to pray. It's in the spaces in between that you and I learn how to hear God and our hearts become desperate for God and we cry out to the Lord. The gap is where we live. (laughs) And the gap is where we meet Emmanuel, God with us. This is where we are called to follow Jesus. And if you believe that, then you must believe that God is leading you somewhere in the spaces in between. God shows you who you are and who God is. The gifts that God has placed on the inside of you get activated. You experience the Holy Spirit leading you into a place. And then in the gap, you get to watch God show up and show out as you are able to do things you know good and well you are not able to do. It's in the space in between where we experience God's transformative power in our lives. God is not just the God of making a promise. God is not just the God of the endpoint. God occupies the gap. We are children of the promise, and the promises of God are amazing. They are promises of abundance, of holistic and all-encompassing peace, promises that a loving God who sees and knows our pain will one day wipe every tear from our eyes and bring justice where there has been profound injustice. These are the promises of God, and we will receive them, but we are not yet there. So what is the implication For those of us who live not like we are just, this is the best we can hope for. But for those who live like we are experiencing the best that we can hope for, here's a word for you. This is how you know what side of that coin you are on. If you can't remember the last time you cried out to God in desperation, you may have created for yourself an abundance that is not the abundant life Jesus promised. You may have created and may be experiencing a peace that is not the peace Jesus has promised, but a peace that you have manufactured. If you can't remember the last time you felt desperate for God, you may, you may have created a bubble that is just so thick and impenetrable that the woes and the troubles of the world can't touch it. And if that is you, the good news is that you are in the gap. Because it's in the spaces in between that that our loving God says, no, you're not going to stay there. (laughs) And that's good news. And here's how you know if you're on the other side of that equation. If you have just become apathetic and you have become disillusioned and you are bringing dead sacrifices to the altar and you don't even realize that the sacrifices are dead. If you can't recall 
the last time you experienced a glimpse of hope in the midst of your despair, you may also be living as though God is absent. You haven't created your own little peace. You haven't created your own little kingdom of God, your own little personal kingdom of heaven with your own little personal altars. But you have allowed your heart to become hard and you have been convinced of the lie that you are absolutely alone. And the good news for you is that that is a lie. And the God who loves you, and if that is you, the God who loves you and brought you here on this morning today for this message is saying to you, no. I'm not going to let you stay there either because there is hope and there is promise and there is goodness because God is present. And my hope for you is that you, especially if you are in that space, that before you walk out of these doors, you will turn and look at the face of someone who's sitting next to you because that face is evidence testifies to the truth that there is hope that there is goodness, that God is present in the gap, in the space in between. You are here because God is present in the spaces in between. It's easy for us in hindsight to look back and see the people of Israel, the people who Malachi is talking to. It's easy for us to look back at their actions and see their faults, see where they went wrong, see where they, oh, oh man, if they just believed, oh, but they just don't see this. It's easy for us to do that. One day someone will look back on us and they'll be able to see how easy it is. Oh, if they could have just seen, but did they recognize God there? Did they, I prayed a while ago because the weather and God bless God bless. <laughs> God bless. But I remember uh, a few weeks ago, we were having unseasonably warm weather. And I was so thankful because there are people sleeping outside in tents who come from places where what we call unseasonably warm was still cold. <laughs> and I remember feeling like that's a glimpse, that's a moment where God is holding the weather. <laughs> And climate change, whatever, what I know to be true is that God works in all things for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. There are moments all around us where we see the hand of God at work. But if you and I believe that God is absent in the gaps, or if you and I believe that the best we can hope for is whatever we can manufacture in the gaps, we will miss what God is doing, and we will miss what God is saying, and we will miss our opportunity to participate in the good work that God is bringing forth in the earth, because our ears will be shut, and our eyes will be closed, and we will comfort ourselves with things that are not comfort, and we will call God gods that are not gods. And we will miss the Spirit's activity all around us every single day. When was the last time you tasted and saw the goodness of God in the land of the living? When was the last time you cried out in desperation to taste and see the goodness of God in the land of the living? The gaps are not just an annoying place that we inhabit before God comes back. They are the very place where God makes us a people. It's where we become the body of Christ. It's where we learn to love and to 
feel and to carry the burdens of our brothers and sisters. It's in the gap that we experience Jesus calling us into places we could never have imagined going and experience the Holy Spirit empowering us to lead and to learn and to love and to teach and to preach and to start ministries and God honoring businesses and to get engaged in politics and to do all of the things that God calls us to do. The gaps are where our hearts learn to truly long for God. The gaps are the places we learn to pray and respond to God. Just like the Israelites, we are a people being formed every day, every day into the people of God. The space between what God has promised and the fulfillment of that promise is where God reveals the stuff in us that still needs to be conformed to the image of God. It's where God teaches us the powerful lessons, the life-changing, transformative lessons about who God is, who we are in him, and where we are in time. And so I hope that you will be excited about the gap. Now, you know, excited, as excited as one can be about the gap. (laughs) We feel what we feel, right? And being excited about being in the gap is paradoxical because it means that we get excited about the fact that sometimes our hearts will break. It means that we get excited about the fact That in this space, we get to walk alongside people at their darkest moments. Because we get to see God show up and show out, not only in our lives, but in the lives of the people God has called us to. And so, what are some practical ways this can, you can apply this, this week? The first, I, I think we, we, we take up two postures. We are either complaining and not lamenting, complaining about all the injustice, about all the brokenness, about all the darkness, right? We are either complaining, and and you can tell the difference between lament and complaint. If complaining is often fueled by fear. If in the last month you found yourself talking about the upcoming elections and the thought of going to Canada, like moving, crossed your mind, that might be complaint, right? Right? Because complaint is often fueled by fear. Lament is a crying out to a God that you fully expect to hear you and know that he's going to move, right? Lament is also, it's heavy. Lament is heavy, but lament is, there's no fear in lament because you know who you're talking to. This week, if you find yourself complaining, hear it. And before, when you wake up in the morning, you might need to ask the Lord to help you do this because we're not, we're not good at it. But if you find yourself complaining, hear it and then take that moment to pray. And it doesn't have to be deep. Like, I'm not asking you to have a moment where you're like, Lord, in the name of Jesus, right? Like, just take a moment to say, God, help me. That could be it. That can be it. If you find yourself complaining to another person of faith, confess it. Take a moment and pray maybe silently. I'm not telling y'all that you got to start breaking into a prayer session with the people. You can. You can. But I'm, I'm not, so I'm just, but, but I'm just saying in your heart, this is a moment where you can pray in your heart, <laughs> like, but take it seriously, hear yourself and then bring that to the Lord. 
I think that that is a huge practical step. We need to practice. Many of us need to practice bringing however we are feeling, whatever we are holding, bringing it to the Lord because we walk around apathetic and we're at, when you're apathetic, you're numb. And so we don't even hear ourselves, right? So that's your first practical application, a way you can do this. If you're complaining this week, take note, take a brief moment to either confess it if it's appropriate, but take a moment to pray no matter what. Here's the other practical way that you can do this. If you find yourself this week, like just excited about something, happy, and hopefully all of you will have a moment, multiple moments this week where you find yourself, like you see something that's beautiful or something happens that's just amazing. And you just, it could be small. Take a moment and thank God. Take a moment and recognize that that is a glimpse of God in the land of the living, a glimpse of that goodness that maybe, just maybe, the coincidences and the the stuff that you take for granted and the beautiful sunrise and the the great conversation that you just so happened to hear and the the lovely person who gave you a comp, like that those moments, that those moments are actually, for us, the presence of God. Because it will reframe the way you move through the world. Many of us need to be reminded that God is actually present. We will say it with our mouths. We know it in our heads, but we don't live like it because we don't believe it. And so this week, take a moment to recognize where you have leaned into fear and away from God. And where you have believed the lie that the nice, wonderful, good, beautiful things that happen in your life are just coincidences, fleeting moments. Instead of leaning into a God who gives good and perfect gifts on this side of glory. So those are your homework assignments. And they do not require much. And so I do hope that you will do them. Are you going to do them? What's the first one you're going to do? It's hard to put summit. When are, when are you going to pray? There we go. So when are you going to pray? And if you hear yourself complaining and you can, and it's appropriate, what else are you going to do? Amen. Look at that. Okay. And what's the second thing? If you tomorrow morning and maybe I don't know how much snow is going to come down. So this won't be my testimony, but I know that some of you all think snow is beautiful. So if there's a lot of snow tomorrow and you wake up and you open up your door and it's like white because the cars, ha- I'm not going to, I won't, I'm not going to mess up your blessing yet. What are you going to do? You're going to thank God. If you find a parking spot downtown because you have to run some crazy errand, amen. And you find a parking spot that's just like, you, come on, what are you going to do? Because that's the Lord. Because that is the Lord. (laughs) So that's God. So that's what we're going to practice this week. Amen? Amen.